Welcome to another episode of Frontline Health by CenturionLabs.com. Today we're going to do a little something different. Today we're going to review some of the health headlines that we've had come across in the month of January. Just to kind of give you a quick cross-section of what happened in the world of health this month. But before we dive into those headlines, remember to subscribe to the Frontline Health Podcast in order to get all of our current episodes. Let's get started. Our first headline is really two. The first came out on the third, and the second was really more of a follow-up to the first. I found these of interest because it sure seems there are more and more cases of cancer among younger and younger individuals. These headlines are, Florida Surgeon General warns against using mRNA COVID vaccines over possible cancer risk. And DNA contaminants in COVID vaccines are, quote, beyond the pale, unquote. Florida Surgeon General explains the call for vaccine halt. To summarize these headlines, it seems Florida's Surgeon General, Dr. Joseph Latipo, warned against any use of the Pfizer and Moderna COVID-19 mRNA vaccines citing cancer concerns. Dr. Latipo raised concerns following a Canadian study that found billions to hundreds of billions of DNA molecules per dose of the mRNA vaccines, which exceeded the guidelines set forth by the FDA and the World Health Organization. Further, the article showed Dr. Latipo sent a letter on on December 6th that cited the the Canadian study to the FDA Commissioner, Dr. Robert Califf, and the CDC Director, Dr. Mandy Cohen, that outlined his concerns about the presence of DNA molecules in the mRNA vaccines alongside lipid nanoparticles used to deliver the vaccine into human cells. In his letter, he asked if there have been any risk assessments of the vaccine DNA integrating into human DNA especially regarding the controversial SV40 promoter enhancer region found in Pfizer's vaccine. Other questions included whether risk assessments had been done on DNA integration into reproductive cells, and if the current levels of DNA residuals were actually acceptable under the FDA's own standards. Dr. Peter Marks, who is the director of the FDA's Center for Biologics Evaluation and Research, replied to Dr. Latipo on December 14th. In his response, Dr. Marks wrote that DNA integration is, quote, quite implausible, unquote, adding that animal studies show, quote, no evidence indicative for genotoxicity, unquote. However, no tests were actually mentioned that would assess if DNA integration is actually occurring. Dr. Latipo believes it would be reckless not to test for DNA integration, which is a potential risk once DNA enters the cell. Quote, their position is, oh no, it's fine. Everything's fine, safe and effective. That's not only not good enough, but it's completely unacceptable, Dr. Latipo said. If these lipid nanoparticles are so effective at administering the vaccine into human cells, Dr. Latipo's concerned that they will also deliver the contaminant DNA molecules. 
He said, quote, DNA integration poses a unique and elevated risk to human health and to the integrity of the human genome, including the risk that DNA integrated into sperm or egg gametes could be passed onto offspring of mRNA COVID-19 vaccine recipients, unquote. Dr. Latipo further explained why he called for a halt, saying that while there are safety concerns with the COVID mRNA vaccines, linking them to a multitude of adverse events, the recent discovery is, quote, beyond the pale, unquote. DNA is a common contaminant of many biological products, he said. We can use DNA to produce different drugs like insulin, other biologics, and that is a wonderful innovation. And normally, that DNA doesn't pose a problem. Human cells are resistant to DNA entry, and this prevents harming the integrity of the cell's DNA. However, since the mRNA vaccines use those lipid nanoparticles, which deliver mRNA into the cells directly, DNA contaminants could also be able to enter the cells. Some scientists, like Dr. Latipo, are concerned that the DNA from the vaccine may actually integrate with the human genome, which would then cause it to pass down to generation after generation. He said, quote, there's a lot of uncertainty about our genome, what it does, how it supports life and creates life and creates the miracle of each individual human being. What we do understand is that some of the potential risk of DNA integration include development of cancers because of the regulation of different aspects of DNA and cell growth, unquote. And while those headlines and those articles may get your mind working overdrive, you may find our next two headlines even more startling. They are, World Health Leaders Warn of a Pandemic 20 Times Worse Than COVID, and Chinese Lab Crafts Mutant COVID-19 Strain with 100% Kill Rate in Humanized Mice, Surprisingly Rapid Death. At the recent World Economic Forum, the World Health Organization issued a warning to world leaders, saying the world could face a pandemic 20 times worse than COVID-19 in the future. Scientists call it Disease X, a term that recognizes the next global pandemic could come as the result of an unknown pathogen rather than the spread of a currently recognized disease. Scientists with the WHO held a session last week calling on world leaders to work together to develop strategies to prevent or manage a Disease X pandemic in the future. Disease X is not real. It hasn't happened yet. It's just the name given to a hypothetical pathogen that's being used to help plan for future health crises. Global healthcare experts on Wednesday spoke on a World Economic Forum panel called Preparing for Disease X. The name was actually coined by the World Health Organization in 2018. However, the fact that China has already created another COVID variant certainly makes you wonder if they've already found their disease X. Here are a few experts from that article. Chinese scientists are exper experimenting with a mutant COVID-19 strain that is 100% lethal to humanized mice. 
The deadly virus, known as GXP2V, attacked the brains of mice that were engineered to reflect genetic makeup similar to people, according to a study shared last week out of Beijing. This underscores a spillover risk of GXP2V into humans and provides a unique model for understanding the pathogenic mechanisms of SARS-CoV-2 related viruses, the authors wrote. The deadly virus is a mutated version of GX2017, which is a coronavirus cousin that was reportedly discovered in Malaysian pangolins in 2017, three years before the pandemic. Pangolins are also known as scaly anteaters. All the mice that were infected with this virus died within just eight days, which researchers noted was a surprisingly rapid death rate. The virus actually infected the lungs, bones, eyes, tracheas, and brains of the dead mice. In the days before their deaths, the mice had quickly lost weight, exhibited a hunched posture, and moved extremely sluggishly. And most eerie of all, their eyes turned completely white the day before they died. And although terrifying, the study is the first of its kind to report a 100% mortality rate in mice infected by this COVID-19-related virus, which certainly surpasses any previously reported results from any other study. And more importantly, the results of the study don't indicate how it would truly affect human beings. So there may not be anything to fear at all. And I think we can all agree that there's really no reason for that kind of disease to be created in a lab. And there is not a lot of good that could come from that type of medical work. And while that's pretty easy to see, the downside in that headline, this next headline seems like a really bad idea to me, but you can make up your own mind. On the 24th, I read this headline. FDA's new rule allows for medical research without informed consent. That's right. You don't have to have informed consent to be a part of a medical research piece anymore. And this is all in an effort to encourage the discovery of more treatment and diagnostic options in the medical field. The FDA finalized a rule that allowed certain clinical trials to operate without obtaining any informed consent from its participants. What's the hitch to it? The study cannot pose more than minimal risk to humans and must include appropriate safeguards to protect the rights, safety, and welfare of those involved. Minimal risk, as defined by the FDA, means the likelihood of experiencing harm or the discomfort that is not greater for a subject during a study than it is for them during everyday tasks. In other words, there's minimal risk in nearly every activity. From walking to putting away the dishes to picking the kids up from school, the study's risk can't exceed the risk one experiences daily. The rule was actually issued in late December of 2023, and it went into effect January 22nd of this year. And I think the result could be decreased public's trust in research and healthcare providers. And it seems crazy that someone other than you can actually make the decision for you about what constitutes minimal risk. I really think it's a bad, bad idea. 
Our next headline occurred on the day after our previous headline and is one reason why I think we should probably have some concern about letting a third party decide what constitutes risk on our behalves. Here it is. Email reveals why CDC didn't issue alert on COVID vaccines and myocarditis. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention in 2021 actually had drafted an alert for heart inflammation or myocarditis resulting from Pfizer, BioNTech, and Moderna COVID-19 vaccines. The officials had prepared to release it to the public. They had actually taken steps, including having the agency's director review the language. The alert would have been sent through the CDC's Health Alert Network, which goes to all state and local officials as well as doctors across the country. But the alert was never sent. It remains unclear which official or officials decided not to send the alert when doctors were seeing an increased number of patients come into ERs with myocarditis and chest pain and other symptoms. Kim Watzik, who is a drug safety advocate who helped convince regulators to add a suicide warning to antidepressants, said the CDC's move to downplay heart inflammation fits into a long-standing pattern of transparency issues with agencies and drug companies. Quote, I can't even believe that this was even a discussion where they're like, we don't want to alarm them. We do need to alarm people. We need people to be aware that this is a real potential problem that could happen, unquote, said Miss Witzak. Those kinds of choices have helped erode consumer confidence in public health. U.S. authorities identified myocarditis and a related condition, pericarditis, before the vaccines were even cleared as events that could be caused by the by individuals taking those vaccines. People who received the Moderna and Pfizer vaccines began reporting myocarditis and pericarditis to health authorities and vaccine manufacturers shortly after the vaccines were rolled out in December of 2020. The Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System actually signaled to the CDC that there was an issue with these very items in February of 2021. And in that same month, Israel actually warned the CDC and U.S. drug regulators of a large number of cases, primarily among young males. Dr. Rochelle Walensky, who was the CDC's director at the time, first addressed the issue publicly in April of 2021. She falsely said the agency had seen no reports and that no signal had triggered, while disclosing the CDC was in touch with U.S. military officials on cases among service members. In reality, hundreds of cases had been reported to the CDC, including some that resulted in death. The CDC either missed or ignored the signal in VAERS, and the CDC helped hide a signal that emerged from a Department of Veterans Affairs system where internal documents and other data actually showed that signal came through. The CDC did communicate to certain state officials about myocarditis issues starting in April of 2021, and they actually told some doctors in May 14th of 2021 that 
The agency was monitoring reports of the inflammation following Pfizer and Moderna vaccination. And shortly after, the CDC began considering steps, according to the newly obtained documents, to speak about this. Dr. Oliver, who is with the CDC, on May 21st of 2021, emailed representatives of Moderna and Pfizer to warn them that the CDC was planning to go public with information on the myocarditis cases. Dr. Rochelle Walensky, the CDC's director at the time, first addressed the issue publicly in April of 2021. She falsely said the agency had seen no reports and that no signal had been triggered by the VAERS system, while disclosing the CDC was in touch with U.S. military officials on cases among service members. In reality, hundreds of cases had been reported to the CDC, including some that resulted in death. The CDC either missed or ignored the signal in VAERS, and the CDC helped hide a signal that emerged from a Department of Veterans Affairs system, internal documents and other data show. Dr. Sarah Oliver, a CDC official, emailed representatives of Moderna and Pfizer on May 21st of 2021 to warn them that the CDC was planning to go public with information on the myocarditis cases. Dr. Oliver wrote, quote, wanted to make sure you were aware before anything was made public. You may be aware, but there have been concerns for myocarditis seen in adolescents and young adults after receipt of the mRNA vaccines. Thankfully, the cases appear relatively mild, but there is concern that we need to make providers aware of this issue. CDC is discussing communication options, and we may have more information tomorrow. Unquote. Cardiologists say there's no such thing as a mild case of heart inflammation, and research has since shown that a number of cases don't resolve for months, if at all. Instead of the alert, the CDC decided to post to another webpage called Clinical Considerations. The page, posted on May 27th of 2021, said that increased cases of myocarditis and pericarditis have been reported in the United States after mRNA COVID-19 vaccination since April of 2021. The page also said the CDC and the agency's partners were investigating the issue before recommending COVID-19 vaccination for everyone aged 12 and older. A draft of the page was shared with Moderna and Pfizer at least several hours before publications, according to the emails, which no doubt allowed them time to get their publicists in high gear. And the FDA on June 25th of 2021 added warnings about myocarditis to the labels for the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines. Which certainly should give us pause when it comes to giving somebody else ownership of our health and decisions about what kind of healthcare uh, trials and studies we want to be a part of. Our final headline is shocking, but at least it's not in the lingering COVID or vaccine world. The headline on the rise in children, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Here are a few of the highlights of the article. Once an adult-specific condition, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease is afflicting children and young adults. 
Non-alcoholic fatty liver disease affects about 10% of children in the general population, and an estimated 36% of children with obesity. And it's on the rise. According to an analysis conducted for the Washington Post, the rate of non-alcoholic fatty liver disease has more than doubled in children up to the age of 17 since 2017. The condition has profound implications that could set children up to face cirrhosis and end-stage liver disease by the time they enter adulthood. Due to the rise in cases in children and alcohol not being the sole contributing factor in adults, in 2020, the medical community introduced a new term to describe this condition, the metabolic dysfunction-associated liver disease which replaced the term non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. The rate of metabolic dysfunction-associated liver disease in children has doubled over the past 20 years, and it's continuing to grow, which highlights that the disease is not specific to alcohol consumption. However, the key difference between non-alcoholic fatty liver disease and metabolic dysfunction-associated liver disease is that while the majority of kids with non-alcoholic fatty liver disease can also be considered cases of metabolic dysfunction-associated liver disease, about 19% of kids with fatty liver are average weight and have normal fasting glucose levels, thus ruling out a metabolic diagnosis. As the prevalence of non-alcoholic fatty liver disease grows in kids, so does the research. A recent study published in Clinical Nutrition in November of 2023 found that kids with fatty liver disease attributed to metabolic dysfunction showed significant differences in their gut microbiome compared to those without signs of liver disease, which suggests that the abundance and diversity of gut microbiota may be one contributor to fatty liver disease in children and adolescents. Further research is needed surrounding pediatric fatty liver disease, its exact causes, diagnosis, and best course of treatment, and it warrants attention from both health professionals and parents. Non-alcoholic fatty liver disease is actually projected to become the most common cause of liver transplants by the year 2030. And for this reason, experts believe non-alcoholic fatty liver disease in children is more serious than adult non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, as it's imperative to address as soon as possible. Fortunately, we know that with proper and timely intervention and treatment, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease in children is reversible. Well, that's it for this month's health headline highlights on Frontline Health by CenturionLabs.com. While there have certainly been some startling health headlines, I hope each of these headlines have not created fear, but instead strengthened your resolve to take greater ownership of your health. Remember, if we become our own health advocates and ask questions, use common sense, get disciplined in our diets and exercise, and find supplements that work, then we can negate most of the fears when it comes to our health. Thanks for tuning in, and remember, go out today and take ownership of your health, because no one cares more about your health than you. Until next time, take care 
and stay healthy.